Well, aloha and good morning, church. Welcome to our third week of Advent. Just as a reminder, Advent is a way for us to uh, anticipate with longing and expectation the arrival or the coming of Jesus. So the first Advent ha occurred over 2,000 years ago when Jesus, uh, God, took on form, um, flesh and bones, and he became among us. And uh, the second advent is uh, his second arrival, his second coming when he returns uh, to establish the kingdom of God forever. And the first week of advent, we talked about hope. Uh, Psalm 147 says that the Lord delights in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. So Jesus, the light of the world, has brought forth hope out of darkness and he has brought the hope of salvation uh, through his life, death, and resurrection and his second coming. Secondly, last week, uh, Pastor John Burgess talked about the advent of peace. Uh, Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And peace is the shalom. And shalom is not the absence of conflict or war, but uh, peace really means a restoration of what was once broken. Restoration physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of the above. God brings shalom through, the, through his uh, arrival and his second coming. And today we're going to be talking about the advent of love. 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 9 says that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent His one and only begotten Son. So God demonstrates how much He loves us by bankrupting heaven and giving us His Son, Jesus. All right? So would you open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 30, and let's get in the Word together. As you open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, we'll continue our third week of Advent on the Advent of love and advent really is uh, a time of waiting uh, the reality of advent and this idea of waiting really confronts us in every context of our lives doesn't it like and we have to wonder and ask ourselves man why am i such in a hurry why am i such in a rush you ever notice that you know the cars in front of us they can't move fast enough they can't move fast enough. The delivery, uh, ordering through Amazon, the FedEx, the UPS, the USPS, uh, they can't be delivered here, especially here to Hawaii. It can't come fast enough, and we have to wait longer. Uh, restaurants, they can't serve me enough. We order uh, food or drinks through Starbucks. I'm like, hey, I shouldn't have to wait. I ordered ahead of time. I should just go ahead and pick up. And when we're waiting, it, we feel so inconvenienced. We feel uh, like a sense of injustice when we wait that our Wi-Fi, it's not fast enough or speedy enough. And, you know, people can't make their point soon enough. You know, I got to confess, I have some major FWPs. You know, FWPs are first world problems. A uh, couple years ago, I went to the mainland for a pastor's cohort where we met with a spiritual director and I forgot to bring my charging cable for my computer. I went to Amazon and Amazon 
uh, in the mainland, they have companies or factories, you know, warehouses, uh, right where the cities are at. And I ordered it and it came the same day. More than that, not only did I not have to wait one week or even two days, it came the same uh, afternoon in the Amazon app. There's like track your package now, you know how they have that. And while I was tracking it, you could see a map of the post office uh, truck carrier they're like two blocks away, one block away, half a block away. And you could kind of, you just get things and this idea of waiting, uh, it frustrates us. And, and I got some, I got spoiled by that FWP there. But really, why are we so impatient? Why are, so, why are, why are we so edgy and rigid about waiting? We might be that way, but God isn't. Galatians chapter 4 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His only Son. You see, at just the right time, God sent Jesus. Not a day early, not a day late, but just at the perfect time. And it came, Jesus' advent it will come at the right time, at the perfect time, in his second advent as well as his first. Um, you and I, we've been promised that between the first advent and the second advent, we have the Holy Spirit. And because God loves us and fills us with his love, um, the Holy Spirit helps us, stands beside us. That's the word paraclete, standing beside you to help us in our crisis, in our heartaches, in our struggles. And so in Isaiah chapter 30, let's go ahead and turn there. Verse 18, we're going to see this uh, God's promise of that he'll be gracious to us while we wait. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So in our waiting, God wants to demonstrate his grace to us. Look at um, James chapter 5, verse 8. You too, you must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. James says we are to be patient like a farmer till the coming of the Lord, till the second advent. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but His patient is patient toward you. This is the word of the Lord. And so, Father, we eagerly await For you to come back not that we could escape this present evil age not as a way to escape from reality but because we love you so much as your word says in first peter that even though we don't see you we believe in you even and even though we don't see you now we have this everlasting joy and so father i pray right now that you would stir in us that while we wait, we won't get frustrated, that as we wait, that we won't get anxious, that as we wait, Lord, that our love for you would increase. 
We are the bride of Christ. And so until you return, Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would just be like the five wise bridesmaids, that we would be ready, that our oil will be lit, that we would be prepared for your return. And the, reason, and the way that we can be prepared is that um, our love for you, Lord God, would be that we will not be lukewarm, but our love for you, Lord, would just increase every day. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever wondered why waiting is such a part of our spirituality? It's because waiting is where faith becomes necessary. When you think about it, God is a God if he gives us immediate gratification, there would be no faith. So it's in the waiting and in the silence where faith actually matures and develops and grows. If you think about in the three days uh, that exist between the crucifixion and the resurrection, it teaches us that the presence of silence never means the absence of God. The eight days between uh, uh, Thomas uh, screaming his doubt into the sky and God actually uh, trying to teach us, trying to reach out to him, teaches us that God is both in the miraculous appearance and in the eight days of silence. Listen, guys, the presence of silence never means the absence of God. Let me say that again. The presence of silence does not mean the absence of God. So in the season of Advent, while we wait in hope, while we wait in, in, in love for Jesus, while we wait and He downloads, downloads His peace unto us, the challenge of waiting is allowing to um, faith to do its work in us. Trusting on the other side of silence, we will have a richer, a deeper, a more meaningful, a more, mean, a more alive faith than we did before. And this is the gift of Advent. This is the gift of waiting uh, for the arrival, the second arrival of Jesus, that our faith can grow and our love for Jesus, that there's a longing. Because... Um, there's two theories about waiting. One is that absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? That you, you don't see that person, you go on a trip, you, you miss your kids go out to camp or something, and you miss your kids, you miss your spouse, you miss your family, and absence, it makes the heart grow fonder. fonder. Or the other side of that is out of sight, out of mind. And so in this advent of love, I want to talk to us about, um, in Isaiah 30, God tells Israel, hey, don't align yourselves with Egypt. You've sinned against me, and you're going to have to uh, pay and suffer the consequences of your disobedience. But listen, you're going you're to have to wait for me, but uh, my purpose in you waiting is that I will be gracious to you. Through this period... And here's the main point that I want us to uh, live out today. 
Here's the main takeaway. The advent of love is to stir our affections for Jesus and to develop our faith while we wait for his second coming. Let me say that again. The purpose of Advent is that there would be a stirring of affections, that our hearts, that our love for Jesus would be renewed every day, that our love for Jesus would continue to increase. And that's why there's the Advent of love, but also that our faith would be developed as we wait for his second coming. And here's a bullet point for us. To love Jesus is to eagerly wait for his return. To love Jesus is to eagerly await for his return. All throughout the Bible, whether you talk Isaiah chapter 40, we talked about it two weeks ago, right? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They, will, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk but not faint. All through the Bible, um, there is this reality of waiting on God, that we don't take things into our own hands. We don't take things into, uh, you know, take action upon ourselves. But God is the one who initiates. God is the one who promises. God is the one who saves. And our job is to wait for Him. And if we're to love Jesus, one of, our, one of the expressions of our love for Him is that we are going to wait for His return. In the New Testament, you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait, underline, circle that in your Bibles, eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. See, Paul is telling the churches in Corinth here that, hey, you guys, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You have been filled by the Holy Spirit. You heard the gospel. You've been transferred from darkness into light. That God did not withhold anything from you. And you don't have any spiritual gift that, that you are lacking. All you have to do is eagerly wait for Jesus. Eagerly wait for Christ to be revealed. And it's just not waiting impatiently or waiting with frustration or waiting with impatience, but uh, Paul says to eagerly wait. Wait with expectation. Wait with longing. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, Paul tells Titus, hey, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Look at verse 13. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is this talking about? It's talking about Advent. You, in Titus 2, 11 to 12, we observe here that there's God's part, or God's action, or God's uh, kuliana, or God's responsibility. What is His responsibility? What's His part? It says, for the grace of God has appeared. It offers salvation, so God's grace has appeared. It saves people. It teaches people to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, but to live self-controlled and upright lives. So, 
uh, it's God's job and his first advent that he came and he saved and he teaches us. What's our part? Look at verse 13 again. While we wait for the blessed hope. What is our blessed hope? The appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is our responsibility? What is our kuleana? What is our part? God did this. God saved. God manifested himself. God teaches us. What's our part? While we wait. And we wait eagerly. We got to be teachable to his grace. But we are to wait for the advent, the arrival and the advent of God pouring His love unto us through His Son Jesus, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, then our responsibility and our job and our part is to wait for Him to come back. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Look at verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Man, what a testimony. This is early on, the churches in Thessalonica, the Thessalonian believers Paul says, I thank God every time I remember, I remember you guys of your faith and your hope and your love. And by the way, other people are telling us of what the good works that you've done, you know, your testimony. In verse 8, it says the Lord's message rang out not only from you in Macedonia, which is present day Greece, but in Achaia. And your faith in God has been known everywhere. Your faith in God has spread, spread like wildfire. And what about their faith in God? What is the distinguishing characteristic of faith in Christ or to love Jesus? What does that look like? First, it says right here, the two distinguishing characteristics is that they turned from idolatry. They turned from false idols. They turned away from uh, their careers. They turned away from... Um, adulterous relationships. They turned away from false gods to serve the living God. So there's a turning. And what's the second part? What is the good news about that the Thessalonian believers have become known for? That they eagerly await for Jesus. They eagerly await for Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That the way that they were described as, man, these Thessalonian believe, oh man, that New Hope Community Church, the people that go there, they turned from their old ways. They turned from their old uh, way of life, of world, of themselves, of sin. They turned away from that, but they waited. They wait for Jesus. So from... Thessalonian believers 2,000 years ago to where you and I are at right now, December 11th, 2022, what kind of report would people say about your faith and my faith? What kind of, let's just say gossip, or what kind of word 
would people say about our giving us as, as Christ followers or us as Christians? Would they say, oh man, they really love to serve. Oh man, they, they really love the Bible. Or would they say, ah, oh, man, for real, they're, they're serious about their sports. Or man, they're serious about participating in, the, um, in their kids' lives. Oh man, they're really devoted unto golf. Or they're, woo, they're, they're serious about their sports teams. They're serious about UH football. They're serious about leisure. Man, they're serious about um, having staycations and having vacations and fun and enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with any of these. But is it in our radar? Is it in the forefront of our mind that to love Jesus means that we are marked by this longing for Him, this eager anticipation of His return? Or are we too comfortable with our lives? Are we to hashtag blessed, to hashtag live our best life now? Where there's no distinguishing mark between you and a non-Christian or you and an unbeliever. Because we're so, our palates, our appetites, our affections are the same of our unbelieving neighbors. That the things that fill our tank are just the things of this world. You know, uh, the Bible, uh, the prophets say in, in Jeremiah... You have forsaken me. You've gone on to these empty, broken cisterns that temporarily fill you, but it leaves you wanting. As people of God, we should be marked by hunger and thirst for Jesus. Nothing else in this world would satisfy. A good, you know, five-course meal Right, you know, where they're tiny little portions and sometimes, oh, I can't wait to have our anniversary date or I can't wait to have a date night or I can't wait for, uh, to travel and go to the mountains. Whatever you fills your tank and gives you joy and satisfaction, it should pale in comparison to Jesus and our love for Him. And the early believers, they understood, especially here the, you know, Corinthians, uh, Paul telling Titus and Philippians, uh, here in Thessalonians, the church, they were people marked by their eagerness for Christ to return. I think if we're to be honest, I think the American church were marked by prosperity that uh, money and wealth and a nice car and a nice home and security and a 401k and a Tesla, like these are the things that mark our desires. But to love Jesus is to eagerly wait for his return. The advent of love and the advent, the purpose of Advent, you guys, is that it would stir our affections so that we could eagerly await for His return. Is there any evidence of conversion in my life where my love of Jesus is expressed in eagerness and waiting for Him? Or am I too comfortable? 
Am I too in love with this world to be in love with Jesus? Because Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. You cannot have one foot in the world and one foot for God. Your heart cannot be divided in such a way. Either you love the world and all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, or you love Jesus that you would wait eagerly for his return. Now, here's a picture of our wedding day. And this is a picture of um, the wedding ring, the engagement ring rather, that I got Renee. you know, I had to ask Renee, I was like, hey, before Instagram and social media, you know, like, uh, when, when did we get engaged? Like, I was like, I don't know, I think March of 2005. Well, we got married October 8th, you know, 2005. So I think it was around March. And, you know, we couldn't really, um, we couldn't really tell the date. But... Ephesians 1 says that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Right now, we're in an age between the first advent and the second advent. We are living, uh, as uh, George Eldon Ladd, theologian, uh, New Testament scholar says, of the age of the now but not yet. In other words, we live in this engagement time uh, between the first advent. We're in between advents. And if we are to really believe that in eternity, that you've heard that you know, illustration, right? That Francis Chan pulls out this long old rope that's about 30, 40, 50 feet long. It's a, this long, thick rope, and there's a little dash, a little blip. If we really believe that our 70, 80, 90 years on this earth is just a little dash in comparison to eternity, it's a pretty short time, our engagement period. Like I was engaged to, uh, to Renee for uh, seven months. But man, we've been married for 17 years already. And here's the picture of our wedding day. And you can just see the smile of the bride and the groom. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because we live in a short in-between of engagement until our wedding day. When Christ returns, or when we breathe our last breath here on earth and we go to be with the Father, that will be our wedding day. But until then, we are engaged to the Lord. And the way that we're to wait for His arrival is with love and eagerness. Have you ever met a woman or know a woman, a young woman, 
who has been recently engaged, right? If you've ever met somebody like that, they're just kind of like, oh my gosh, look at my car keys. And they would show off, oh look, I'm driving my car. And they, everywhere they could put product placement on their engagement ring and how excited they are. And they're beaming with joy. And they have a countdown widget on their calendar or on their phones and their computers of, to the actual wedding day. And how they can't wait to be married and how they can't wait to uh, for their wedding day and they're just so full of excitement and love and romance and anticipation and eagerness during their engagement this is how we are to be my prayer is that it's not out of sight out of mind but really absence makes the heart grow fonder that our hearts would grow fonder and, and more longing for Jesus, that we would look forward to his return, that we would be more in love with him today than we were yesterday, and that we would be more in love with him tomorrow than we were today. You see, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning and his faithfulness is great. Every day, God gives us brand new mercies, brand new love, brand new grace, and our mind is to be renewed. And as our minds are renewed, it stirs in us an affection. It stirs that we love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. That the whole totality of our being, this Advent, is that we would love to see Jesus face to face. That we would look forward with eagerness, that we would be giddy, that we would be excited, that we would be head over heels in love with Jesus. And we can't wait for him to come back for his second advent. And so uh, we're going to close this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for you coming down to this earth. Lord, your word says, and this is love that God made his love manifest by giving us his son. So Lord, we did not love you first, but you first loved us. And so Father, I pray right now that this Christmas, that it would be a scrubbing of heart. It will be a renewal of heart, that we would fall in love with you over and over and over again. Lord, I pray God that, um, eagerly waiting for you and for your return, that that would be in our radar. Yes, we have uh, work to go to and we have Christmas parties to attend and we got kids and we got college to think about and we have bills to pay and the recession to think about and heartaches and uh, relationships and there's a lot of things going on. But Lord, I pray that we would be marked as a people who, just like the Thessalonian church, that we would turn from serving false gods and that we would serve the living God and that we would be a people waiting for your return. Anxious, excited, giddy, Lord, for the groom to come. So Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. 
Thank you so much for joining us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace. Thank you so much for joining us. Have an amazing week. Thank you.